The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome listeners and fellow travelers of the world. Greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, September 15th, 2020, and I am your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episode of the HBO series. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Arus. Welcome, listeners. Safe travels. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Vanetta Berry. Hello, everyone. Let me open the guidebook so we can explore season one, episode five, which was titled Strange Case and aired September 13th, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. After making a devil's bargain with William, Ruby steps into the charmed shoes of a white woman. A betrayal by Montrose unleashes Atticus's pent-up rage, leaving Letty deeply disturbed and sending Montrose into the comforting arms of his secret lover. All right, we're going to start with getting everyone's initial reaction to the episode. Let's start with Priscilla. I liked the Montrose scenes and I liked the Letty scenes, but I found the Ruby scenes kind of pedantic. I found them to be just kind of like, why am I watching someone's like petty squabbles in like, uh, like department store? It, it, it felt like she had like with great power comes great responsibility and she didn't use that great power to achieve a great end or do anything like major she just went about her day it was i don't know it was kind of boring it's a boring episode i'm offended uh jeffrey i'm offended ah baby when i told y'all that there was a ruby story coming i don't know what priscilla's watching but what i was watching i loved it i i loved ruby's story it it was you know with great power absolute power corrupts absolutely i i just i loved it i i thought the acting from someone that we've seen before um, was spectacular. Um, I, I was captivated by Ruby's storyline. I, I, I loved it. Um, the Montrose stuff, I still don't like Montrose, but um, he had his moments, and, and I was really proud for him. And, uh, and even, I mean, baby, that sex scene, I, I mean, 
yeah, <laughs> it was it was a good episode about metamorphosis. Okay, Vanetta, I liked it. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the parts. Um, Montrose's draws are still torn with me, but I am happy to see that he had happiness. And um, yeah, I really in- enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed Ruby's transformation as well. Um, I think what Priscilla perceived as boring and like petty stuff was her kind of testing the waters because I don't know that I would go all out. She don't trust people that much. And the fact that she has this, this thing now, I think it just, she's cautious with her whiteness, with her newfound whiteness until the end. And then she was not cautious, but um, yeah. That's how I felt about it. I liked it. Well, I really, 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 really enjoyed this episode. As Jeffrey said, it was all about metamorphosis. I love how this episode was written. I love everything in the foreground. I love everything in the background. I loved all the musical choices. Um, Blood issues. I'm never going to listen to that song the same ever again. Which one? Bodak Yellow, Cardi B. Oh, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know I'm old. I don't listen to much modern music. But, um, yeah, I I didn't find... I I, I was constantly hitting my Shazam um, as I was watching the episode. Because I am going back to a few of those songs. All right. Um, before we start our journey through Lovecraft Country, here's an announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Okay. Um, let us go, instead of trying to go beat by beat, let us take our three different storylines. I'll start with, um, Letty and Atticus first. So, that, that was a, that was a, tonight was a major night for them, but for me, they kind of felt like, the guest in this episode. Did anybody else get that, or was that just? Oh no, I totally got that. Yeah, the storyline was teeny tiny, but it was important for them. Oh, it was very important. And they still got their HBO moment later on in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> for all the times Jonathan Majors got to show his booty, it was Journey Smollett Bell's time to show her booty. All right, I want to say this because okay. the first scene. They are coming to the room 
and um, Montrose is looking all distraught and guilty. And she comes in and she's like, where's your Hema? Oh, what? Did she leave already? She looked out the window. Her nipples are rock hard. And oh. they are rock hard through that entire scene. And then the next scene, her nipples are not rock hard. I don't know what the hell kind of bra they had her on or whether she didn't have on a bra. But I swear they were like tacks sticking out. Maybe she went and got the <laughs> bra when she went and got the baseball bat. Right, yeah, because you need the bra when you get the baseball bat, yeah. <laughs> she, had to, she had to tie herself down because she knew she might have to fight. Yeah. That was that was badass of Letty, by the way, to be like, well, you know. When she went down to the basement? Yeah, when she's like, you're not scaring me. I yeah. don't think he, I don't think Atticus recognized how much anger he had inside of him. Because I don't think that was adult Atticus who tried to kill Montrose. I think that was seven, eight-year-old Atticus who, again, has, oh, you, 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 have, you have done something else to me. Because Atticus knew immediately when he walked in the room. He knew what had happened. The book is missing. Him is missing. You got bloody fingers. Okay. I know what happened. I agree with you, but that was seven-year-old Atticus combined with the fact that he now has military training. Oh, oh no, absolutely. So he's now, he's able, he now can physically do what, what he was thinking about when he was a kid. He's no longer scared. Well, he's, he's no longer a victim. He's no longer a victim, and he's no longer scared. He's got, he has the power within him, and he, all of the rage came out. Which, on top of that, I mean, he has rage because of his childhood. I think he has PTSD from the war as well. So it's like that rage on top of the PTSD. I mean, that was just a, that was a pot ready to overflow. Mm. And it did. Also, I think he felt, he felt a connection with Yahima. Um, the fact that. He was the only one who could speak to her. He was the only one who could understand her. Even after she became a siren, um, there was a connection and he understood that that was through blood. And right. so it really, there's another aspect that I think, um, in addition to the rage because of his childhood and, you know, he kind of snapped off. He was also really upset about, you know, him just callously killing somebody. I mean, and then he didn't even leave. Like, at least if you don't kill her and get rid of her body, like, leave. Like, don't be here looking guilty. Like, we're supposed to be like, oh, good. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was It was all of that combined, and it just blew up. And I like how she was just like, oh, um, hey, guys, come in here, because he's not going to stop. <laughs> I don't know why he stayed. Like, I get why for the show, like, it just to show us the reaction. But as a book, like, as a script, I don't know why he stayed. Like, what was the point of that? Like, to, to, to show guilt? To, I I think he wanted to be punished. He wanted, he seems to be very self destructive. So, that was my thought process. Like he just, like he does not make good choices 
that are constructive. That's a good idea. Yeah. I see that. Um, I have a question about Tick's dream about Hannah. I was trying um, to read her lips. I couldn't. I could, you know, and, and, and it, they didn't bring it up on the closed caption either. Because, you know, I refuse I know. to watch the show now without the closed caption being on. Um, I, my belief is like everything else, that magic that the Sons of Eden are using is stolen. And I think that in that dream, Hannah was using her power to kill, um, what is his name, Titus before she ran out of the building. Yeah, I believe that. And then at the end of um at the end of the episode we get our conversation with uh Atticus and Letty about is he going to stick around? Is he just going to keep breaking her heart? That was a really touching scene. And the side of the tub and the bubbles and yeah, it was really nice. Um and I like how he, he was just like, I'm sure now. I'm positive. And then he, he makes a phone call. Like, damn, you just said you were positive. Well, no. <laughs> he made the phone call because he deciphered something. Yeah. Yes. Um, they're making all these amazing uh, 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 phone calls to South Korea. Like it, <laughs> I, the fact that he could call South Korea not once but twice, and like I'm just thinking about the expenses because if it's expensive, well, I don't think it's as expensive now, is it? I don't know, but I would assume it's expensive then. It was super expensive. So he's just making all these calls, uh, although it was an important call because it clearly it sets up the next episode. I love how y'all are skipping the sex scene. The sex scene was hot. It was good. Uh, social media was like, can they have sex in a bed next time, please? <laughs> Because it seems like they have not had sex in a bed. And this was a good redo. That is boring. And as Priscilla said, oh, yeah. it's not very HBO. Uh, well, that is true. It's not TV. It's HBO. Um, but it was a nice redo for their first time. Because like yeah. the first time, it was very intense. It was um, it, it was really intense. And, and uh, he didn't know it was her first time. This, that, or the other. And this one was a, a much more uh, romantic and sensual love scene and, and she was much more in control this time yes. um than last time he was in control and yeah so and it makes more like as a viewer you know more now with her saying that it was that she never wanted to have sex unless it meant something mm-hmm. so with tick obviously it meant something to her even back then like with the first sex scene yeah well, the first sex scene, she was still looking for an anchor. When they first had sex in the bathroom, she was still looking for an anchor. <laughs> she had been dead. Yeah. I saw on social media, someone described that sex scene as a rape. Which one? The first one. Uh, no, Did she consented. Else see it that way? it she, was very aggressive. I, I remember saying that the first time I saw it. It, it was very. It was aggressive. Um, it was extremely aggressive, yeah. but she did not ever tell him to stop or look as though she was trying to get away from him. Correct. All of her signs were pointed to yes. It, it was not the way probably she wanted it, like the, her first time, but it it did not seem like a rape. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I just wanted to make sure that we 
covered that. Just because it was a bad first time doesn't mean it was a rape. Um, all right. Let us go to the Lady Ruby. Um, Jeffrey hinted at this earlier. Um, did anyone else recognize um, White Ruby? Yeah, Ruby was that Hillary. lady they, they killed in the um, well, in the now, now here's my, here's Yeah, my that is question. the big question. Is she dead? Is she dead? That is the big question. Because I don't know. They didn't. They knocked her in the head, so it was unclear. Correct. Yeah. So it's unclear yeah, if she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I do think she's down in the basement. I suspect, and it's and with with the with the um with them actually confirming that William and Christina are, we thought they were the same person, but they're clearly not. They're just sharing a body. Well, I don't even know if that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think it's Christina. I think it's all Christina yeah. all the time, baby. Yeah. Because when she's talking to Ruby, she's, um, she lets on a lot. She yeah. says, um, you know, she's telling Ruby how you can use this experience. You know, you have this this ability to do anything that you've ever wanted, and um, and Ruby's like side eyeing her because she's like, I don't know you. Yeah. And she makes a, a comment that um, that clearly Ruby had said to to William, and she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, he told you that. And so all of that, I think she was setting it up to you know. Because she knows, like um, Ruby tells her, you can't possibly know what I, what I'm feeling, and she just kind of looks at her. It made me think, yeah, she does know, and because she is, she's playing William so that she can have um, dick privilege, whereas um, Ruby gets to play Hillary so she can have white privilege, mm-hmm. and so it's it's like this cycle of wanting or needing to to have that extra leg up so that you can get to another place. Yes. And on on top of all of that, she, as Christina also grabs Ruby by the arm, the exact same way William did. And Ruby noticed Mm -hmm. that. Yes. So do you think that means that William in some form is in the basement the same way the white lady is also in the basement? I think William's in the basement too. Although I don't know if I, I don't know I'm like, it's like I'm trying to trust Christina, but I don't know if I really trust her. Because I don't know if that story about William is 100% true. Just because she does parade around as William, like in the town. And if allegedly they think, they being um, the police force, think that they killed William, how is she parading around town as William? So that story confused me. Although I do think that there are elements maybe of that story that are true and that William did die ages ago. Where, where do you, okay. You said he's parading, he's parading around town as William, but not anywhere where this police captain, she as William kicked the ass of, of the, of the guy spying on her. You don't think they're going to go back and be like this guy that looks like this kicked our ass. I don't know. It just seems so, no, no, no. So, mm-hmm. so, so, let me ask you this: Would they know what, what the the guys that were spying? 
Were they part of the lodge? Did they know what William looked like? I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, I would think the captain, logically speaking, I think the captain would be like, what did this guy look like? And once they start describing him, I don't know. It just, it it seems a bit much. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I I don't know. I just, when she said it, I sort of questioned it. Um, And I, no, no, and I understand because she's not necessarily trustworthy. Um, Correct. Because but, clearly she wants to take over the lodge. I mean, the, the officer, not the officer, he's the captain. The captain is not a member, He want, but he wants to take over this, uh, this um, lodge. And uh, Christina feels that because she's a namesake, she should take over, although she's a woman, and that's probably why she can't take over it, which is why she's using William to take over the lodge. So, right. so... Clearly, at some point, once she makes the full bid on the lodge, um, I really have no idea what you would call that that event that they were at. It looks like it was just the captain trying to court the lodge members into voting for him, or, or however you end up deciding the lodge head. So I, I'm assuming that in another episode, we'll have a scene similar to that where it's Christina as William trying to court the lodge people, and maybe that'll be the reveal for the captain that, uh-oh, William is actually alive, um, and I'm using that in air quotes. I don't know that we're going to have to worry about the captain much longer after, you know, she planted that... that, that, that Totem? Uh, uh, whatever? That thing in his office. Yeah, and plus the, cap- the captain's all frankenstein anyway. <laughs> you just pull yeah, out his stitches. He's got a whole black torso. He does. He's got a black man's torso. So the question is, was the captain... A black man who they oh, turned no. him white? Is he a white man that's turning black? It, like, what is what theories on the captain outside of the fact that he's Frankenstein? I think he's just using black parts. I don't think he is black. I okay. think he's using black parts to protect himself in a protection spell, sort of. And that's why she can't harm him. But mm-hmm. she needs to use that shell or whatever the hell. She was, like, in, in his desk, and that's how she's going to harm him. Because clearly he's, he's practice, practicing necromancy, right? Okay, because that man in the closet is dead. The dude in the closet is dead. Reanimated to tell him whatever the hell he needs to tell him, in essence. Yeah, because Ruby was gagging. So was the man. <laughs> but I think the other thing about the captain is that whatever skin he's using is is rotting. Yes, because he said he's he was stinking to high heaven. Yeah, and the other guy said, I can't smell I I never smelled it. I can't smell it. Well, he's no longer got the Epstein guy. He doesn't even have the ghost of the Epstein now to fix right. him. Which is why he, one of the reasons he's looking for the pages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, um, Hillary Davenport. Ruby is Hillary. Yes. And why is Paul drawn to her? I don't know, but Paul was creepy. Paul was creepy, but I think I this this was this was my suspicion. My suspicion was that even in this white body, she could not fully not be her black self because she was having interactions with Paul that none of the other white women were having. Because yeah. she asked them, you know, has he ever been, you know, has he ever looked at you sideways? And they're like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Paul? Mm-mm. Okay. Paul, so Priscilla, Paul is a piece of work. 
Paul was a piece of work, and he got his just due. We're going to get back on that later. Uh, okay, Priscilla, I want to go to the parts that you thought were just boring and tedious and why you felt that way. Which which part do you want to start out with? Um, well, let's start out as Ruby as um, Hillary. Okay, so let's oh, no 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 let's start with her first her first metamorphosis. Her first yes, waking up, waking up naked in a strange bed. Oh, and by the way, you're white. Ooh, because I mean, I've, I've I've had I liked how it mm-hmm. first started out with her starting out in a strange body and just being like what the hell is going on and her just leaving the house and almost getting that little black boy in trouble and being like I'm sorry he's fine he he didn't do anything it's all me and going into the police car and the police car being like your husband was looking for you and it's fine and he told us all about your meds and her being like no 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 it's it's like and at that point I'm like oh you're stuck there's nothing you can do he they they got you now and them taking carting her off to the house and I was just kind of like oops I thought it was interesting that she went from having all this power to having no power whatsoever yeah, she had the white privilege, but then the patriarchy came and slapped her in the face. That's the power of a white woman. Like, as much of a power of a white woman that you have, you don't have this much of a power of a white man. Exactly, which that was a setup for Christina. Because she yeah. wants the power of the white man. Yeah. Now, I went into this episode already, like, when I saw the white woman in the bed, I was like, that's Ruby. Did you all think that? Or was it until she said, you know, well, until she looked at herself in the mirror that you all realized that was Ruby? Oh, I, I knew it was so. Ruby. I knew it was Ruby. I had, I had already guessed. I had already guessed what was going to happen. I thought since we were in the whole Lovecraft thing that they were, they were gonna do some weird body shifting like horror dynamics going on with her. Boy, did they. But I thought it was going to go in a different direction. I thought she was going to, like, go to Letty to help out. Or I thought she was going to end that with her in a different body, that they were going to react in a different way. Like, I don't know. That's what I thought was going to go down. I didn't think she was going to use her body to become an assistant manager. Well, that was her dream, though. She didn't go to be an assistant manager, though. Well, no, she she didn't go there. She wanted for a job. She was just going to get a... uh, a clerk job and remember that was her main focus that was her dream four episodes was that she wanted to work at marshall field and so for for her that was what you what you do with that kind of power like i'm gonna go and i can get the job i want now and she goes and not only does she get the job she gets higher than any of the other people because you know she had already she had all this experience. So she's qualified. Yeah, it, in my head it just made sense that that's what she would do. Like today if I had that type of situation, that's not what I would do. But I I understand why that was her her thing. Yeah, that's what she wanted. And then at Marshall because Fields that's, because that's about as high as she ever thought in her black body she would get. Yeah. Mhm. And then once she was there, and uh, like 
I guess you didn't like sort of like the the mundane stuff in in the shop, but I found it fascinating because seeing Ruby adapt to her whiteness was really interesting to me because initially she's trying to be a cheerleader for Tamara. You know, she's trying to be an ally the best way that she can be because it's this strange white lady coming up and talking to this black woman. And clearly Tamara is interpreting it probably in a different way than Ruby as Hillary thinks she's interpreting it. But, but Ruby feels like she's helping her out, giving her tips. But then once she finds out that in essence, Tamara is inferior to her per se, because Ruby did have, you know, the, the education. She went to the Frederick, Frederick Douglass Center to get, you know, the additional this, that, or the other in, in accounting. You know, she did the extra work because she believes you have to work extra harder as a black woman, you know, to, to, to make it in the world. And, and when she realizes that Tamara didn't, she sees her as inferior and, and starts immediately treating her differently. But then she ends up getting a wake-up call even more with the other white uh, associates uh, when she finds out that whether you have the education or not, I mean, they see black people as inferior, point blank, and the period. So I thought it was an incredibly eye-opening experience for Ruby. Um, And I I thought uh, Jamie Newman, who was playing, uh, in essence, White Ruby, uh, just did a fantastic job with the acting, conveying that. I I thought uh, she played a white woman, Ruby as a white woman, perfectly. Like, I I I don't know how she did it. I I read an interview with um, with with the actor and uh, with, um, oh, gosh, I I don't know how to pronounce the name um, who plays Ruby. I don't want to mispronounce it. Wound me? Wound me. Okay. I read an, an interview with her where she said that she actually, you know, she had to have the deep, dark, tough uh, conversations about race and this or the other with Jamie. And, uh, and uh, Jamie would show up and watch uh, her act as Ruby and this or the other. And that's how they were able to, to really make this character work. Uh, which I thought that was really interesting. Props to Jamie for going above and beyond and in, in actually learning and, and, and trying to, in essence, get into the shoes of a black woman in, in a white woman's body. The one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that uh, just for me, I just kept on wondering, well, number one, the pounds of flesh on the floor. Like, what do people say? Uh, so that's number one. Number a two, lot of people had... A lot of people had that question. I know. So you leave this mess and these clothes behind. What do people think when they come across? Exactly. So that's number one. But number two and number three, there were two moments where she was in the Marshall Fields and she transforms. And it's like, how did she get out of the Marshall Fields with all the blood on and stuff? Like she did it when she was in the elevator. And then after she does what she does, like she, you know, at the end. Um but- this show does a lot of like not telling with things like that with like with Montrose how did he get rid of the body of 
the Native American woman. Like, well, that one, I mean, I can kind of imagine. Like, I can't imagine how the fuck does she get out of Marshall's fields covered in blood and goo and naked. So that's the kind of stuff that just, it didn't really bother me, bother me. But I, I, like after the scenes, I kept on wondering, how the hell does she get out of there? No, it's it's a real question, and and then to get back to William Christina's house. Yeah, like how do you? Because Marshall Fields is no. downtown, and William and Christina obviously live up north. Yeah, yeah. So that was the only thing, and it w- didn't it didn't detract from the episode for me, but it just left me with the questions. No, like, it, how do you, you do it that? absolutely leaves you with a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I, I loved all the stuff at Marshall Fields. Like, I just found every time she would interact with Tamara to be just really interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I, I felt bad for Tamara. I mean, I ended up feeling bad for her later on for a very different reason. But I, I felt bad because clearly, um, yeah, it just Ruby went in wanting to do something else, but her whiteness and her privilege corrupted her. Power corrupts. That's how you saw it? I did. I I saw that as power corrupting a a little bit. I I, I I saw it. Go ahead, Venata. You go ahead. Um, Well, I saw it more like she was pissed because of um, because Tamara didn't have that work ethic and I and I've been there like it's so aggravating like you do all of the things you go all the extra miles and then somebody else is able to get you know what you thought you wanted and they didn't do all that stuff so that's kind of what she was expressing to to Tamara but then when she's like fussing at her about the shoes what she's really trying to let let her know is like you don't have room you have zero room to fuck up right that's what she was trying to tell her she wasn't trying to she wasn't trying to be a bitch she wasn't trying well, to no i'm not talking about that section she was really really trying to tell her because the reason why i know she's not trying to be mean to tamra is because she spoke through the clenched teeth and if think if if it were ruby and if ruby is talking to tamra through clenched teeth she's like look, you don't have the opportunity because these white folks are, are crazier than you ever thought, right? <laughs> That's what she says, but it's coming out of a white mouth. She, I think she literally forgot she was white for a second. Yeah. And she's just trying to help Tamara because Tamara's not paying attention. She's not being as attentive as she needs to, and she knows how the other women are talking about her. That's what I got out of it. But then so I, was she, ask, I was going to ask you if you thought the reason why um, Tamara got the job instead of Ruby was because Ruby is a bigger woman. I don't think it was because she was a bigger woman. I think, um, remember, Ruby never, well, she, no, I take that back. No, Ruby had applied. Um, um, I think Tamara got the job instead of Ruby because they needed somebody who was a token. They hired Tamara because he said corporate told him right. um, that that they had to hire someone black. They didn't hire anyone that was um, qualified simply because they didn't want to keep this person. Remember, okay. he w- at the end, he was trying to fire Tamara already. 
Well, I figured he was trying to fire well, her. No. He tried to rape her. Yes, that's well, why he tried to fire her. That was the other part of it, but I don't think um, the fact that they were when she first sees Tamara as Hil- and she's Hillary, she goes over to her and she's like, you know, you can't do your job if you're not at your at your place. And she goes through the list. Well, such and such told me to do this, and then such and such told me to do this, and such and, and so like they're already using her in mm-hmm. a way that's not supposed to be used for her position. And so yeah, they were already they were looking for reasons not to have her there. Okay. And so he was going to use anything. Um, if she had had sex with him, he would have used the fact that she had sex with him. Like he was looking for a reason for her not to, to be, be there. there. And so I think that's why, um, that's how I read her whole interaction with Tamara. And the reason why she's like, yeah, Tamara was going to take us to the South side because she's trying to win favor for the white people for Tamara. Right. I think the um, her other frustration, that last conversation she had through gritted teeth, is her coming into the realization that Mr. Charlie's water is not colder. Everybody knows what that means, right? Yes, no, yes. I'm sorry, yes. say it again. I'm sorry. Uh, she's come to the realization after being locked in the closet with the dead body and listening to all the other saleswomen and all the other stuff. She has come to the realization that Mr. Charlie's water is not colder. Yeah, it's not better. And there's a lot of a lot of shady, shady stuff happening. Yes, because you know, yeah. Um, and I asked if everybody knew what that meant. That Mr. Charlie's water is colder. I always thought Mr. Charlie's water was colder, but it was not. It was not. So yeah, I think that was the the breakdown of of her illusion. All right, I wanted to ask this: Did anyone notice when William is getting dressed that there are women's clothes in his um in yes. his closet? Yes. Because that was the first. I was like, I don't. I don't remember who said it last week, but they were right. That was me. Because as I'm looking at it, I was like, oh my goodness, look at that. Those are those are lady clothes. Because I actually thought he was setting... I When he was putting the outfit together, I thought he was putting the outfit together for Christina. Oh, okay. Did you notice Ruby's body language when... Well, Ruby as Hillary's body language when he mentions that, um, that he he needed her to meet a friend and she was like, okay, it's a woman. Oh. <laughs> she was pissed. And I think that she likes William more than she's letting on. Oh, she does. And so she absolutely. I wonder how she's going to reconcile her relationship. Like, I only want to be with William. I'm sorry, Christina. And, you know, <laughs> and Christina's like, I only want to be with Hillary, you know? Oh no, that's a weird situation. Yeah, she. she it's so fun to... for me as a bisexual. It's like, oh, that could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's yeah, where my mind. Don't have to figure that out. But I don't think that they're going to use her to get to Letty because she is pretty much 
cut ties with Letty. Yes. You know, after that whole money conversation back in episode three, she's pretty much let Letty go. You go, you be yes. over there, I'll be over here. Chicago was big enough, we'd never really have to see each other. Okay, so I just wanted to give props to just the the makeup, the, the VFX people, because I thought the body horror stuff with the actual transforming the shedding in, of the skin. in and out, the shedding of the skin, but also the, um, the, the, the body movements that Jamie did as Hillary. Uh, apparently she has a dancer background. And so, it, you know, that sort of came through in the transformation or the metamorphosis. Uh, I also loved uh, the uh, the TV commentary about locusts and uh, and metamorphosis and that sort of thing. I, I thought that was brilliant how they used that. I thought the um, Did you hear the for colored girls for the locusts where they said that the um, I'm trying to remember if it said it was they 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 shed for five months or they shed five times before they take on their full locust persona. They gave it a letter a number five to something that they did. And they show five transformations. They show five Ruby transformations. Oh interesting. Oh wow that's a good catch. Very How many times nice. you watch it, Derek? Seven times. Well, there you go. Um, I, I also I love the passage from For Colored Girls, and uh, and I thought it was really interesting uh, how because we didn't talk. You're moving to Montrose. We didn't even talk about the bloody shoes. Um, the the way that they uh, showed uh, the fetishization of black people by the white characters uh, was was interesting. Well, I talked about that a little bit when I talked about. Paul liking um, Ruby as Helen because it's Hillary. Because again, he didn't care for any of the other women. He Correct. Liked black. But we didn't talk about it. Uh, that was so graphic, but yet so satisfying to watch. Yeah. Um, the one thing that really bothered me about that ending was just a that she revealed her true self to him because i do wonder i always think of like well what does that mean for future episodes um like i, I don't think she's gonna be outed as you know i don't even think he would even know what it would explain what happened right. but it but it, it does make me think of like hillary and and if you know, if we see Hillary again, what does that mean? Um, also, how did she leave Marshall Fields? Because clearly we know that the door out of his office leads straight in, like straight into like the, the show floor. So it's like, how did she get out? That's something that I wondered as well. But it's like, it was very satisfying for her because she had all this rage uh, pent up. And she saw that he almost raped um, um, Tamara. So, you know, she wanted to, you know, give him what he deserved. Uh, and it, it makes me, it just makes me wonder, like, where, where is this going to go from here on out? Uh, I mean, afterwards, we, we see the reveal that Christina is William and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm intrigued by, by where this goes. 
you were intrigued, but I wasn't. I was kind of disgusted by it. I was just kind of like, I, I got the whole. Well, I'm intrigued by where this goes with Ruby. Is what I'm saying. I was, I, I got the whole power corrupts absolutely, but I was just kind of like, sodomy as revenge is kind of a no go for me. It was, damn, did they really have to take it that far? I don't know. I, again, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was the best idea, but as far as Ruby's reveal, I don't think that that's going to be a problem since she had already quit the job as Hillary. Right. Two, um, no one's going to be able to recognize her. Three, I think that she had some more serum and she transformed back before. Um, she left. Before she left. Oh, okay, so that would explain that one. Doesn't explain how she got out of the elevator because she lost the serum. Okay, I wonder if that serum being lost means anything, or if she ended up going back for it. You know, if he ended up giving it to her, your perfume. I'm guessing yeah. that something like that you don't have in a great deal, a great amount of supply. So she probably had to. They probably found somewhere for her to get that back. Because because here's the other thing. We don't know how she was applying it. Yeah, we don't know whether it was like she drank the whole thing or just a drop or... Or know. she sprayed it on. She took it out when William came to pick her up from work. And she was getting ready to use it. But he told her to hold off. But we still never saw how you use it, how you apply it. Yeah. One of the best lines of the episode... Oh, you didn't use any of the money. Like, I didn't have to. I used the only currency that I needed, my whiteness. That was so definitely... Uh, oh, and I was hella ahead. worried during that whole club thing. Because I thought one of those white women was going to accuse, like, you know, one of the black guys that, you know, they were fresh on her or something. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I was hella concerned about them being in the bar. And I didn't understand why any black man was dancing. Hey, oh, Priscilla, I... did you notice? This is the other thing I was going to say about the uh, sodomy. Did you notice what was playing on the television? Um, been a while since I saw the episode, so I did know, I probably did notice, but I forgot about it. From- okay. It was, it was Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, perfect. Gosh. I just noticed that the man's facial expressions were kind of like what the man's facial expressions were. No. Because yeah. he, he was like, ooh, yeah, I and I was like, I don't know what, oh. what was playing on the TV the first time she was in the office. I thought it was 12 Angry Men, but I'm not sure. But I know the second time it was Jekyll and Hyde playing. Which is appropriate, because the name of the episode is Strange Case, and the actual chapter in the book is Jekyll in Hyde Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, works. black people weren't allowed to eat vanilla ice cream, except on... Nor were they I'm allowed sorry, to go up that. to the Black people weren't sold vanilla it. ice cream except on specific holidays. Otherwise, they had to just eat chocolate. Oh, okay. So that's why... Okay. So that makes that scene even more powerful. And the fact that she got it for free. Yes. And the, and and the fact that she was able to go to the counter and get it herself because of her whiteness. Mm-hmm. That was also a big I, deal. I, I believe she was downtown or because they didn't say where she was but I think she could because there was no black there were no black people anywhere uh-huh. in any of those background scenes so she was in an all white space that's yes, how she yes. spent her 
day in, in an all-white space. I also uh, read somewhere, because, you know, I'd be looking stuff up, that there were certain parks that Black people could not go to. And there are different colored benches in the parks because some of those parts, some of those benches were for black people and some of those benches were for white people. And the green benches were for the white people. So when she's sitting out in the park reading the paper, sitting on the green bench, she's breaking all the rules. That montage was incredibly powerful. I mean, the for, for colored girls sort of uh, uh, section that they were uh, that we were listening to. And, and just the imagery, you know, of her uh, really content in, in being able to bask in the privileges of being white. Yeah, absolutely. Because she thought she had gotten everything that she wanted. She was drinking. She was drinking that Mr. Charlie cold water. <sighs> so here's why I think. So let me say this. I agree with everything Vanetta said about why Montrose stuck around after he got rid of the body and after he got rid of the pages. Uh, he makes horrible decisions for the best of reasons. And he knew he needed to stay and take that punishment because he knew how Tick was going to read. And now Montrose is alone. His wife is gone. His son is not speaking to him anymore at all on any level whatsoever. And his brother is dead. So he doesn't have anybody else. So he showed up at the one person's house that he knew would accept him and take him in, no pun intended. <laughs> okay, maybe a little pun intended. At the Cabrini Green. At the Cabrini Green. Watch out for the candy man. Well, see, I would, I, I, I know it's this is set up, but I would, I disagree with. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you were just saying it just for the setup because clearly they have been lovers for a while, so I don't feel like he's really alone. Is what I would say. See, okay, so I've had this, I've had this conversation for the last forty-eight hours. Okay, is Montrose gay? Yes. Yes. Have he and Sammy had sex before? Yes. Absolutely. Um, is Montrose a stranger in the gay underground black culture in which they exist? Yes. He is oh, wait. I would say he's a little bit of a stranger. He doesn't seem... Do you think he's been to the ball before? Yes. Okay. Because all of Sammy's friends knew him. Well, they also knew him as being with Sammy. So that's why... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but so... Let me, hold on, but mm -hmm. let me finish. Was he out? No. He was not until this episode. Yes. And this is a argument that I have had for the last 48 hours with a few people. Okay, well, that we haven't argued yet. All those things that I pointed out, but, they, but, they, but the friends knew him and all of that and... You know, he, you know, he'd clearly been to the bar before. Okay, he had been to the bar before. I worked in a nightclub. I worked in a gay nightclub. I saw people in there all the time. They were not. I noticed one brother in particular. He started coming in with the baseball hat and the sunglasses at 2 o'clock in the morning. Dude, it's already dark in here. You can't see shit. And I remember when he came out. I remember it took him four months 
to get comfortable enough to take that hat off and them damn sunglasses and take his ass out on the dance floor and party down. So it's a process. And I then that's why I say he didn't have anybody else. Had they been having sex? Yes. Were they lovers? No, I don't think so. Not exclusively, and, and, because we see Sammy um, dicking down somebody else in the in the alleyway. Exactly. So we know that that there. Well, is he wasn't digging down; he was getting serviced. Official. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. What you no, so he wasn't digging him down; he was getting serviced. Yeah. Oh, with yeah. a smile. And this was a theme in the episode tonight between this between Montrose and Ruby kissing mm-hmm. so after Montrose dicked Sammy down in a scene that I, I I said when I don't know if I said it here or not but I said when Montrose's secret is revealed in such a way that you cannot argue against it there are straight black men that are going to be extremely extremely upset oh they were Oh, they was in there. All they feel. I have feelings. All of them. And one of the groups I'm in, I don't know if you saw it or not, Vanetta. There was a guy that said, uh, they should have warned us that he was going to bend that man over the table. Why? When you saw Sammy's face, you knew it was about to go down. When they started taking their pants off, you knew what was about to happen. He walked in the room and started unbuckling his pants. If you didn't want to see, you could have turned your head. It's HBO. And, oh. and they didn't show anything. You saw a wide, a, a, a hock of spit in Montrose's <laughs> hand. And that's about as sexual as it got. People was upset about that. Um, somebody posted today and it said, um, why is it that people seem so upset, specifically black people seem so upset about any show of um, gayness, uh, gay black men on the screen. Yeah, they were mad at the the P Valley too. Yeah, and I was thinking about he did mention Little Murder and Mantras, and so one of the things I was thinking about is, um, I think that for whatever reason, um, black people are more comfortable with um any feminine display of sexuality if it's gay because it divorces them from like oh well you know that's different those are drag queens that's the way gayness is and they want to put it in that box and to see gayness represented the way it is with Mondros where he's confused um he's got a son he's got some anger he's you know He's a full fleshed out character and that's uncomfortable because we've been given just so many caricatures for so long. People don't know how to act. No, no. Cause they, if they are not actually familiar with gayness, they don't, they don't, they have one idea of what it is. And they are doing the same thing that white people do to black people when they, baby, um, I said it, I said yeah. it, I said it said it, black, straight cisgender black men are the white people of black people because no this there were a couple things in this storyline 
that struck me deeply. And one of them was when Sammy opened the door, he said, was it the old phase of the niggas this time? Mm-hmm. And I have had many conversations where I've just told people, you know, as a gay, as a black gay man in America, I was called a faggot long before I was called a nigga. That was some of the realest, truest, most honest writing in that one scene that I had seen in a long time. It was also, so going back to the two parallels, um, Ruby Hillary and making Paul suck on the shoe, get the spit on the heel before she shoved it up his backside. And then Montrose using spit as a lube before he took Sammy from behind. Also, kissing. Um, after they were done and Sammy went in to kiss Montrose, Montrose avoided him, but went down on it. And they even mentioned later when they're getting dressed that um, Montrose and Sammy have never kissed before. Mm -hmm. And Ruby and William, I'm sorry, Hillary, when they're standing out at the car and William goes to kiss her and she turns her face and he says, you won't let me kiss you as Hillary. And then she says, do, do you want to kiss me as Hillary? Right. And it's because, she, you know, she like you said, she's falling in love with him. I don't want you kissing this white bitch. I want you to kiss me for real. Mm-hmm. And, it's and not Christina even Mont- asked her that. Yeah. And it's not until Montrose decides, okay, I'm here. All of this stuff pent up inside of me. All of this, I'm going to let this go. And I'm just going to start to live. I heard him. He said, I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. Yes, and he comes, which is, <laughs> which you heard in your mind because Montrose didn't say anything in the whole episode. Yes. You have any lines in the whole episode, which is, I had to go back and watch, that was one of the reasons why I had to watch this seven times. So I had to go back and watch when somebody said that. I said, no, 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 he had lines. He, he spoke through his act. Nope, he was, he was face acting. He was, he was completely silent. Yeah, he could only act through one eye, though. <laughs> that one eye was doing a whole lot. <laughs> yes. So there are a couple points that I want to make, and in particular, one of the points I want to ask actually Derek a question. But before I get to the okay, question... On. One second before okay. you do that. Yes. I want to give a quick shout-out to our RuPaul drag racers. Woo! The lovely Shangela. Shangela. And Monet Everybody just And Monet Exchange, the one of the winners of All Star Season. Also, a shout out to Daryl Stevens. Yes. From Noah's Ark. I did recognize Shangela. I don't a lot of people didn't recognize Monet. And I understand that because Shangela has actually had a bigger career. Than Monet has. I didn't recognize Daryl until <laughs> you pointed oh, really? it out. Yeah, because until you pointed it out, I was like, I don't know anybody else in there. I recognized Monet Exchange's voice. Like, right when I heard her voice, I was like, oh my God, that's Monet. Okay, Jeffrey, you had two things. Okay, so the first thing is I mean, if we're going to talk about just uh, 
Letty and Tick's first sex scene, then we got to talk about how intense uh, um, Sammy and um, and Montrose's sex scene was. Clearly, uh, he had a lot of pent up rage. Uh, rage outside of Metamorphosis was a a huge theme in the episode. Uh, in essence, uh, I mean, what sort of uh, kicks off Letty and Atticus's second sex scene is the rage that Atticus has inside him as well. Um, so I thought I thought it was an interesting choice to show them having sex for the first time and having it be so intense and so filled with rage, period. Uh, so I wanted to mention that. And and the thing that I wanted to ask you, Derek, something that I did read online outside of, um, you know, everything that has already been brought up is a, a complaint that I saw was the fact that they put Montrose, who's a darker skinned black man, with a lighter skinned black man. And, and people were having a problem with that. Did you, were you at all bugged by that? I was not because they don't, because everybody has gotten their opportunity. Our first, our first scene we see of 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 black love in the show is um, George and Hippolyta, mm-hmm. who are two dark skinned people. Um, so it's clearly they're not pulling that old colorism. So I'm cool with you know. With, 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 I'm cool with what's happening. I don't okay. have a problem with Sammy being a light-skinned black and Montrose being a dark-skinned. Because we still don't know where Tree falls into this whole situation. In the middle? <laughs> I but don't no, know. I don't know if Tree's involved. Boston, so everybody's getting along now. Speaking of Hippolyta, we, uh, we keep on seeing them asking about the Ori. At the start of the episode, we don't see Hippolyta. She's got a story coming up. I told y'all about rubies. Well, I didn't really tell y'all, but I said something big was going to happen. Hippolyta's got something. Clearly, it's not next week. But Hippolyta, I'm so excited for that. I am too. Um... I liked the scene where Montrose was like, kind of being lifted up at the ball. Mm-hmm. And like confetti like sprinkled down on him. Like he was being baptized again, like some sort of like, I don't know, gay Jesus or something. It was just yeah, beautiful. Gay Jesus, yes. I I agree with you. I, oh, you did? Oh, I thought. It, I, listen, I'm not happy with Montrose. I don't know if the writers will will make me like Montrose by the end of the season. But I, I did. I was really proud for him. Uh, I was glad that he got his moment. I was glad that he finally got the chance to fully accept himself. Uh, I do agree that moment was really nice for him. Um, I didn't really take it as like a baptism, but now that you sort of described it that way, Priscilla, that's, yeah, I, I could see that it's, it's being uh, symbolic of that. So I don't know what this means for Montrose, though. It's still the 1950s, and we do have to remember that. So well, I mean, it's coming out in the 1950s is not coming out, you know, in, in, in the 2000s. Correct. So it's not like, I don't think he's going to go. I do think, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I do feel like before the end of the season, he is going to have some sort of conversation 
with Atticus. I mean, they have to, in, in essence, he has to reconcile that the violence he put upon Atticus was because his father saw him as different. And, and uh, you know, that was the only means that he, he knew, he being Montrose, to maybe protect uh, Atticus or, or, or because Atticus, Atticus was very artistic and into literature and that kind of stuff. He might've been worried that he was also going to turn out to be gay or something like that. Um, so they have to have a conversation and I don't know if he's going to end up revealing himself like that to, to tick, but I, I think they have to at least have some sort of conversation, especially after this moment for Montrose. When it happens, I don't know, but I do think before the end of the season, they have to have some sort of talk. Oh, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Again, um, Montrose is the only person that knows what the book says, what the That's what true. the rule book says about, you know, the order. So he, we're not done with him. No, correct. Yeah. yeah. I think also one of the things that I got to see in this episode, and I expressed this to Derek, um, when he checked on me to make sure I wasn't freaked out, um, is that I like the fact that the characters are rounded. So we saw Montrose. The first time we see Montrose is in what episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of getting to know him because we've had, you know, we haven't had as much screen time with him, and then he goes and fucking does what he does last week. And then you just left with a bad taste in your mouth about Montrose. And then this week we see another part of Montrose, which doesn't excuse what he did last week, but gives him more, it fills him out. It makes him a more realistic character because people are like that. People are not like they are in the movies where they're all good or all bad. And the same thing with Christina and so I feel like another bit of metamorphosis is just us being able to see these other parts of these characters that we didn't know before. Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. I love that part. All right. Anything else before we uh, move on to MVPs? Well, you briefly mentioned it. I just want to add a cosign. I probably should have done it when you said it the first time. But the music this episode, the music period in the series is fantastic. But in this episode, just everything was like yeah. perfectly tuned to every scene. I'm going to tell you my favorite thing is, is, is the uh, dichotomy between Tutti Frutti. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> the fact that it's in the it's it that song is in here twice and is almost completely unrecognizable as the same song. Yeah. The white version <laughs> is so watered down. It's got no sabor. <laughs> All right. Let's oh, and also, good. once again, I just gotta give props to Jamie. Uh, her dancing. I mean, she she did it. I mean, that was not no white lady dance in, in the 1950s. No, it was not. She had rhythm. She did. Yeah. She knew how to shake that. <laughs> Show me what you're working with. <laughs> All right. MVPs. 
State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once the character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. We are going to our randomizer, and Priscilla goes first. Who is your MVP? My MVP is the player that spoke the least this amount of episodes, but was powerful enough to make a member of our team cry this episode. It's Montrose. It was beautiful. It was moving. It was impactful. It was just a really good turnaround from what happened to him the last episode. So, And that sex scene was moving and brilliant and different for HBO, which is always just straight vanilla sex scenes. So... I kind of like that. So, Montrose for sure. All right. What for Montrose? Uh, Jeffrey, who is your MVP? I'm giving it to Hillary Davenport, uh, White Ruby, <laughs> Jamie Newman. I mean, I've been giving her praise uh, throughout the episode just because I didn't think I was going to get the chance to pick her. So I'm just going to continue on with the praise. I just thought she was brilliant. Uh, I, I loved... Uh, what she did and the fact that she could properly convey a black woman in a white woman's body and, and and in particular Ruby in a white woman's body throughout the episode was brilliant on top of that her physicality uh seeing uh, her um her, the 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 stuff that she would do with her body as we see her transforming into uh, or transforming out of uh, Hillary into Ruby was brilliant. If I can just do a little, uh, um, you know, uh, maybe a, a, an MVP from all of us, the VFX, uh, the people that had to, you know, create the blood and the goop and the skin. I thought all of that was brilliant. Um, and and uh, I didn't mention this, but the in the opening scene where, um, well, not the opening scene, but where William is cutting um, Ruby out of Hillary, um, we see a moment where through Hillary's mouth, we see Ruby's eye. And like all of that was amazing. And then some of that was done sort of blurred in the background because we had in the foreground the, um, you know, the, the gentleman talking about the locusts and the metamorphosis. But even in the background, it even though it was a little blurry, I mean, it just looked grody and gnarly and awesome. It, it, yeah. I enjoy body horror films, and this one did not disappoint. So, uh, as for my MVP, it was uh, Jamie Newman. All right. Vanetta? Um, hmm. This week's MVP for me is Christina slash William. Um, I really liked the nuances of the character, the tells that let you know that William and Christina are the same person. The um, budding romance between Christina slash William and Ruby, <laughs> which I'm so excited about. Um, and the reveals, like uh, we got a little bit more of Christina's vulnerability in this piece. So William tells uh, Ruby that Christina is going to meet her there. And she says, and when she gets there, Ruby's like, you know, you were late. Um, 
I can't believe you were late or whatever. And so then she's just like, um, she's hiding in the back. Mm-hmm. And that's really significant because, again, this is the lodge. She's not allowed in the lodge, which is why she needs Ruby's blackness to be able to get the thing into the office. Um, I thought that that was a really big piece of of um, story because it reinforces her place and why the metamorphosis for her is so important. So even though, even before the reveal that she is, um, that she's William, you see again, other aspects of how Christina is not given the world just because she's a white woman. Whereas Ruby would assume that she's given the world because she's a white woman. Right. I really like just learning more about the character. I still don't trust her as far as I can throw her. But I do. Well, you know, it's hard. Like to, it's hard to trust white women, especially some like that with magic. Oh, heck no. All right. Well, my MVP is going to be Sammy because he gave Montrose a place to come home. To. Um, and we got to, and you know, we we we've seen Sammy. They've shown that Sammy, you know cares about Montrose in some aspect, um, but we've never actually seen them in a scene together. I don't. Yeah, I think the closest we got was last week when Sammy was working behind the bar and Montrose was sitting outside talking to Letty. But that's as much as we've seen of the two of them together. I like everyone's MVPs. I do too. Same. It was a good it was a good MVP roster. All right. So now we get to rate this puppy. How would you rate the episode on a scale of one to ten keys? The point system is allowed if you found the episode exceptional. Deserving of more than ten, you may grant it the coveted golden key. Let's go with Priscilla first. Well, I was going to grant it lower, but you guys, like, boosted up my grade with talking about the episode and talking about a couple of, like, hidden details, like the vanilla ice cream and the stuff like that. I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to give it an 8.5. I thought it was cool afterwards. I thought it was interesting. And I I think Ruby's storyline had more interesting bits to give than I gave it credit for originally. So, yeah, 8.5. I am so glad we could work on ya. <laughs> Vanetta? Um, I give it a solid 9. I really did like this this episode. Um, there were so many parts. It was just... It was, it was a lot. I liked it. Um, there's lots more sex in this one. You know, like... And I can't wait to see what happens between Ruby and Christina. Mm. Now that's HBO. HBO, (laughs) no, she better don't. Jeffrey. I'm giving it a golden key. It it was outstanding from beginning to end. I wish we could give those golden keys, Jeffrey, but you just, you you give them out so willy-nilly. I give them out when it's good. 
I'm surprised. I am Everybody uninterrupted. Mott Rose scenes were gonna lower your rating for you because because of how much you dislike him. No, I dislike but. I dislike Montrose, but it, that doesn't mean that his storyline was bad. Um, I just I don't know how I'm going to forgive him. But if Tick forgives him, then maybe I might. We'll have to wait and they see. They got a lot to go through to for him to be forgiven. I know, right? But uh, but yeah, I was uninterrupted, so I'm going for the golden. Don't interrupt yourself, Derek. I'm not going to interrupt myself. I am going to reach way, way, way down into my bag of keys. And I am going to whip out a golden key. Ooh. With a big old gob spit on it. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that key. The, uh, the episode made me cry a little bit, which for media today is very hard to do. But that scene with Sammy and Montrose starting with was it the old phase or the negative? Does everybody know what old phase is, by the way? I can't remember what it is. Can you re- refresh my memory, please? Old phase is a slang term, apparently, for white people. That's what I thought it was. I had to look, I had to look up two terms this week. Again, this show is so educational. I had to look up <laughs> old phase and charwoman um, because um, Ruby mentions charwoman at some point when she's talking to William. And so I had to look up charwoman. And that's basically a cleaning lady. Actually, the anybody who's watched Carol Burnett's show, the animated uh, the animated version of her that cleans up at the end of the show, mm-hmm. that character's called Charwoman. She looks very charry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. And as we get to that, as we end this week's journey into Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Uh, my co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting with Jeffrey. Have a good night, listeners. Hippolyta, I miss you, but I'll send you a postcard from South Korea. Vanetta. Good night, listeners. Priscilla. Good night, listeners. I really wonder what Hippolyta is doing. I think we're going to find out in two weeks. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. This is Derek Anthony wishing you a good night.